Hello everyone, welcome back and thank you for joining us on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast, where every week Jeff Glover and his coaches will dive deep into questions that you are asking. They understand the challenges you are facing on a day-to-day basis and still work every day on the front lines of real estate, with Jeff and his team closing over a thousand homes per year. In today's episode, we're taking it back to last year when Jeff discussed how to recruit the right way. This is incredibly valuable information, especially right now, since many people all around the country are taking leaps of faith into new jobs and pursuing new career paths. Now, let's hear from Jeff Glover. Okay, let's go ahead and jump into the material. So, first things first, I want to start off this one. Uh, You've heard my intro, you've heard my bio, I don't need to get into that, but I do want to share uh, uh, by my experience, if you will, in talking on this topic. So um, the topic of recruiting is a special one to me. And a lot of people don't know this because for most of you, and I don't know, we probably have several hundred people on. Uh, for most of you, you see me as this producer or this real estate agent who you know, has a big team and likes to be on stage and puts on these events. But a lot of people don't know my actual history of recruiting. And this goes for, you know, agents of, of my own that I have watching and leadership at our market centers and so forth. Uh, but I was actually really hands-on, intense, involved in recruiting. Uh, 2005 to 2008 was when Paul and Kathy Schweitzer, you've probably heard me talk about them before, they gave me an opportunity to run an office of theirs that was failing. Now, first of all, I was 20 years old. Um, I couldn't convince many people to give me an office to run at that point in time. Uh, Looking back, I know why they gave me that office now. (laughs) Uh, It had no chance. Uh, They were probably getting ready to close it. Uh, We haven't had that conversation, but I'm sure that was one of their considerations at the time. So what do we have to lose on this 20-year-old kid that's aggressive, right? So after selling homes for about 18 months, I approached Paul and Kathy Schweitzer said, hey, I want to learn how to recruit. I want to learn how to train. I want to learn how to manage. I want to learn how to do all of these things. And they gave me an opportunity. And so I took it. And in 2005, I took over an office in a town here in Michigan called Livonia. Um, it, it had maybe six agents when I started there. And it had enough room for about 52 agents. I think we had 52 desks. Uh, within two years, I'd filled the office and um, you know, had a lot of managers that were new to the company that would come over to the office and shadow me while I was making my prospecting calls. I had sometimes people in on the recruiting session so they could see how I would recruit. And um, basically from there, I, I took an office that was about to close and, and filled it up. And, and from there, I got an opportunity uh, to, to run the training and recruiting for all of their offices. So at the time, I think they had maybe 13 offices around Metro Detroit. Uh, I was promoted to director of trainer and recruiting. And my job, again, a lot of people don't know this. This is back in 2006, 7, and 8. Uh, so I did, the, I did the broker manager stuff, 2005, 2006, 2007. I got the promotion. And my job was to go into real estate office and teach managers how to recruit, teach agents how to sell. I was the trainer and I was the recruiter. And so I did that for a couple of years. That was 2007, 2008, had a great time, learned a ton, taught a ton. A ton. And then, of course, uh, as many of you know, we started Jeff Glover and Associates uh, in 2008, opened our doors in 2009. So I'm going to share with you over the next three sessions uh, the experience. By the way, I should also... I'm you know, I, I, I believe that 
when and you for those of you that have been attending this for a while, recognizing your people is important. Uh, I should probably mention of the 13 offices, I think it was 16 the year I started and maybe 13 by the year I departed. Of the 16 offices, two years in a row, I beat out all the managers for recruits. So, I mean, these are people, you know, I'm 20, 21 years old, and I'm going up against people that have been in the business 20, you know, I'm 20 years old, and I'm competing with a guy that's been doing it 20 years. And two years in a row, I won top recruiter of all 16 offices one year, and then the next year we had 13. So pretty proud of that. I learned. I, I think it's safe to say I mastered the recruiting process. So over the next three sessions, I'm going to dig into, all right, what is it that, that I did differently? Why is it that the Schweitzers would send people to my office and say, you got to observe Jeff, you got to watch Jeff, you got to do what Jeff is doing. Uh, and I'm going to get into that today. Today, we're going to talk about the what next week. Wednesday during Relead, I'm going to have a special guest on, and we're going to talk about the how. And then finally, the third part is a three-part series of Relead. Again, the total program is 18 weeks. The third session will be all about the scripts I use, the dialogues I use, how I set appointments, how I converted, how I closed, and so forth. So I want you to open up your Relead workbooks. If you've been in this program for a while, or even if you just joined us, you would have received a workbook, so turn to a clean sheet of paper. Or open up your relead uh, workbook if you have one, because I'm going to get into some of my thoughts. Again, today we're talking about the what. So let's dig in. I wrote, I wrote down, and I want you to write this down in big, bold letters. It was on the title for the promotion for this. It, and I want you to write this down, and I want you to keep it in front of you, especially if you're in the recruiting position. All right? I can't tell you how often this statement turned my attitude around on a bad day. I get it. You know, things happen. Uh, agents quit, agents come, agents go, agents uh, succeed, agents fail. A you know, sometimes you feel like you're a psychologist. Sometimes you feel like you're a babysitter. You don't know what you are in this, in this real estate industry when you're leading real estate people. Why is that, by the way? That's because real estate agents are independent contractors and they get into this business with the attitude that they can do what, you, do what they want. Well, what they don't realize is that if they keep that attitude for too long, they're not going to sell a lot of homes. So here you are trying to give guidance, trying to hold them accountable, trying to add value, and they're all over the place. So I want you to write this down and I want you to plaster this wherever you do your prospecting, right? If your phone is right here, I want it above your phone. If your computer's right here, I want it above your computer. Ready? Write this down. Some of you have heard this before. Recruiting solves every problem in a real estate company, period. Recruiting solves every problem in a real estate company, period. I don't care what's going on. If you're bringing people in, it will overcome whatever problems you have in your company. All right, so you're having a bad month, you're having a bad quarter, agents you know, aren't succeeding, or the company dollar isn't what you want it to be, uh, uh, people are joining teams, people are leaving teams, people want to start teams that have no business starting teams, people want to form their own team. Recruiting solves every problem in a real estate company, period. I wrote down recruiting gives you leverage, recruiting gives you credibility, Recruiting gives you financial strength. Recruiting turns heads. It creates momentum. You hear this all the time in the, in the sales business. We tell agents all the time. You've probably heard this before. Uh, when you generate, you don't have to tolerate. Okay. Same thing for recruiting. When you recruit, you don't have to tolerate. Recruiting solves every single problem. Don't worry about anything else. All right. So I wrote down the mistake leaders make in this industry. Ready for this? Don't get mad because this is a lot of you. The mistake 
leaders make in this industry is they spend more time managing and then they spend in recruiting. The mistake agents make is they spend more time managing than they spend in recruiting. Yeah, but I like getting my hands dirty. Yeah, but I like doing the training class. Yeah, but I like teaching the technology. That is all gravy on top of what your core role is. That is all in addition to what the core role is. Recruiting solves every problem. Spend more time recruiting and less time managing. 70, 80, I don't care what percentage, it can be 51% of your time. All right. I know people say, no, you got to spend 80% recruiting and 20% everything else. I'm not even saying that. Majority of your time, what is majority? On a 100% scale, majority is 51%. 51% of your time is spent recruiting, 49% of your time is doing everything else. All right. I wrote down because turnover is so high in our industry, recruiting needs to happen at a faster, more intense pace. By now, you're familiar with the fact that, watch this, less than, we already know this, you guys are all experts in this field, you know that less than 20% of the agents who enter the business today are going to make it. Now, you may be out there saying, well, yeah, but um, my, my, my number's higher than that, my number's greater than that, I got, a, I got a 30% success rate, or I got a 40% success rate. Kudos to you if you do it. You got a great training program. You got a great recruiting or a great retention program. That's awesome. So maybe your stats say, hey, one out of four who join our company succeed. Love it. Now watch this. All right, great. So let's say one out of four, even though the national stat is like less than 20%. One out of four make it. Cool. Watch this. 90% of them leave. One out of four makes it. 90% of them leave. At some point in time, they're going to switch brokers. That is the industry we chose. I'll never forget conversation I had early on. I was probably 20, 21 years old when I was learning the basics of recruiting. And I'll never forget a coach said to me, Jeff, he said, listen, in this business, agents come, agents go. You can never take it personal when it happens. This is the industry you chose. Agents come, agents go. Promise me, Jeff, you'll never take it personal when it happens. Now, the reality is, we take it personal because we pour into these people. We give them everything. We spend time with them. We, we hold their hand or, or even worse, you make them a superstar. You make them a success and they leave. Now, of course, the good leaders find other ways to give those people other opportunities. The good leaders find ways to say, you know what, before you leave, you might want to consider doing A, B, and C. All right. The poor leaders say, oh, best of luck to you. All right. Well, it's been fun. Okay. Now what? No. You're always bringing people in. By the way, bringing people in leads to credibility. Bringing people in causes you to have the place that people want to be. I wrote down, when you recruit more than you're losing on a regular basis, you don't have to tolerate as much as your competitors do on a regular basis. When you recruit more than you're losing, you don't have to tolerate as much as your competitors tolerate on a regular basis. Watch this. It's no different than a high school football team. <laughs> had my uh, varsity jacket for it. Uh, we had uh, the theme of, um, you know, whatever you wore in high school theme. But it was kind of interesting. I found, found an old old note in the pocket. That was fun. Anyway, so I'm going to use a football team. I'm going to use a football team analogy. Ready? The bigger, bigger the team, the stiffer the rules and disciplines, and the more successful the team. With a smaller high school team where players play both ways, they don't have to worry about someone replacing them. The head coaches have to deal with more headaches and issues. And by the way, the smaller football teams don't generally find success. The larger the football team, the more people that want to be on that team, the more people that are coming in to the gymnasium, 
the greater chance of success for the team. The stiffer the rules, the better the organization, the better the environment, the better everything. Same thing as a football team. You got a you got a struggling football team. Not a lot of people want to be on it. You're not recruiting people. You know these these high school football coaches. They got to go throughout the school. For those of you that are coaches or or were a player once, you know what it's well, you know what it's like. You saw the coaches constantly going through the school looking for people to join the team because they knew this simple this simple philosophy. Well, number one, they knew it's a numbers game. The more people we bring in, the better chance we're going to find talent. But they also knew this. The more people that want to be on this team means the greater chance we have of succeeding. All right. So I wrote down uh, eight steps to recruiting the right way. This is what I call the foundation. Ready? Eight steps to recruiting the right way. Point number one, identify how many agents you need. First step is to identify how many agents you need to meet your company dollar standard. Identify how many agents you need to meet your company dollar standard. What is company dollar? Company dollar is revenue from real estate agents transaction, right? It is whatever is left over after you pay them, whatever split you pay them. Identify how many agents you need to meet a company dollar standard. Now, it might be, by the way, you may say, ah, we don't do it by company dollar, Jeff. We do it by desks. Oh, we don't do it by company dollar, Jeff. We do it by by, by um, CRM logins, whatever the measure it is that you use. My favorite is company dollar, because guess what? If you can control the company dollar and you know approximately how much company dollar you need, then you can figure out how much you're going to spend from there to grow the company. So step one is identify how many agents you need to meet your company dollar requirements, all right? And for those of you that are running real estate teams, especially if you're on a team or running a team that's very lead heavy, meaning it's very, uh, 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 you know, join the team and we're going to give you leads. Well, then you need to figure out the balance of leads versus agents. All right. I used to tell people all the time, I never want to have, if, if I'm a leads-based company, which by the way, to some degree, even Jeff Glover and Associates to this day, we give leads to our salespeople. So don't get me wrong. I'll tell you, I mean, and I have this, this meeting at least once a month with our operations team and where our leads come from. We look at how many agents do we have? And how many leads are we bringing in? And watch this. You need to come up with a magic number. What is the magic number? That is leads per agent. All right. So if you're running a team or, or you're leading a real estate team, you need to look at, you need to have a healthy balance of leads per agent. Now, of course, the question I get all the time, Jeff, what is that number? Jeff, what is that number? Well, it depends on the source of business. Okay. Now, if you're calling Facebook leads a lead, well, then you're going to need to have probably 50 leads a month per agent because we know it's going to take 50, 60 leads to get one or two people to respond in a positive way. But if you're spending a lot more money on, say, a realtor.com or, say, even a Zillow lead, well, then guess what? You might only need 15, one, five leads per month per agent because you know out of 15 leads, they're going to convert two or three of those. So for us, we never looked at Facebook leads and still to this day, we don't look at Facebook leads as leads. Now, I take that back. There are leads and Facebook leads. Don't get me wrong. I'm not naive to think that there is not transactions and money to be made in Facebook leads. We just don't call those leads. We call them prospects. So we take in 50 prospects and we say, let's say out of that, we get five leads. Fine. All right. We're Zillow leads are a little higher quality. So we don't call those prospects. Those are actual leads. Regardless, you need to determine how many leads you're going to have per agent per month. And by the way, your formula based on the quality of the lead will change. For us, when you look at the basic formula, 
Uh, if you look at like Zillow, Realtor.com, higher quality leads, we only need about 15 to 20 leads per month per agent to keep them fed. Now, we're not trying to make them fat happy because then you'll have an organization where they're constantly relying on your leads. You want to give them enough to help them when they're having a bad month. You want to give them enough for the cherry on top for, for their good month. You want to keep them fed to some degree, but you don't want to make them fat and happy. Otherwise, they'll constantly rely on your leads and they're constantly relying on you to spend money. Instead, follow our programs. We'll teach you how to teach them how to go out and get their own business. And then you say, well, why would I do that? Then they'll leave me. Well, if this is your first session, really it is all about creating a strong enough value so they don't have to leave. You can create enough value so you've got a place for them. All right. So step one, identify how many agents you need to, to meet your company dollar standard and pay attention to the balance of leads versus agents. You never want to have substantially more agents than you have leads available. And you never want to have a ton of leads and not enough agents to work them. You always want to have that, that happy medium. All right. Step two, I want you to write out pen and paper in your notes after the session. I want you to describe in your mind and everyone's answer is going to be different. I want you to describe in your mind, the perfect agent. I want you to write out in your opinion, Create a characteristics, characteristics list. Think standards, think image, think area, think goals, think new versus experienced, all right? We don't need to get into the new versus experienced conversation, but I'll tell you, in my opinion, I'd rather take a new agent than an experienced agent all day long. Why is that? Well, now some of you will say, yeah, but then they take longer to produce, the failure rate is higher, the, you know, it takes longer for you to receive company dollar. Sure, but guess what? I can mold them to be a, I can mold them to be a successful agent the way I want them to perform, the way I know that they're going to succeed. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, when we do recruiting campaigns, which we'll get into in a later session, we definitely go after, like, say, a one to four million or a one to five million dollar producer. Why is that? Well, because in, in most cases, that is a vulnerable group. That is a group that's looking for answers. That is a group that's looking for a different way, and we can provide a different path. But all things being equal, I'd rather have someone new. I can show them the way. I know I can teach them how to succeed at a high level. Experienced agents sometimes bring either bad habits or they bring bad attitudes. Now, if you're running a real estate brokerage, or if you're running a, a market center for Keller Williams or an office for Remax or an office for Century 21, you probably want to go after experienced agents because you're, you don't have to spend as much time in training. All right. When you have a training program like ours, well, I don't mind training because it's all there. It's ready to go. Right. So you have to make the decision. But step two is describing in your business, who is the perfect agent? Who do you want to be in business with? Step three, this is the foundation. Next, I want you to do what I want you to do is create a hit list. Okay, I want you to create a hit list. Now, you go back to step two and you, you have your criteria, all right? Standards, image, experience, location, whatever. Now you're gonna go create a hit list. I wrote down those that meet your description of a perfect agent, all right? This is a list that you create and I don't want more than 25 to 50 agents on this list. Minimum of 25, maximum 50, all right? You gotta give me a hit list of 25 and I want a maximum, no more than 50. Why is that, Jeff? Well, you know, cause you may say, well, yeah, but I've got a pool of, of 500. Why wouldn't they all be on my hit list? Because it's just like basic sales 101 with lead follow-up. You can't spend enough time and attention on a list of 500 as you can on a list of 35 or a list of 50. 
So I want you to identify no less than 25, no more than 50 agents in your market that fit your description, that fit your characteristic list. I want you, these are all the things. Now, I'm not reading from a book right now. I'm reading from my notes because I typed them out. I spent the last couple of weeks thinking about, all right, what does my, what did my recruiting days look like? How, what did I do differently? Why did they send managers to shadow me? What did my routine look like? I'm sharing with you everything I did right now. Okay. And everything our, our team leaders are still doing. So step three, create that hit list. Now for us, I'll give you an example for our sales team. We sent out, we identified a, a hit list of no less than 2 million, no more than 4 million producers. Why did we do that? All right. I just mentioned, okay, that type of agent is very vulnerable. And what I mean by that, I'm not saying you're preying on anybody, you're targeting anybody, but that type of agent is vulnerable because guess what happens? A two to $3 million producer could end up being a one and a half million dollar producer. A two to $3 million producer could end up being a less than million dollar producer. And then guess what happens? Then they need your help. All right. So I'm, I'm looking for people that need our help on a regular basis. So I like the two, three, four million dollar producers. I don't have to teach them how to sell real estate. I just have to teach them how to sell. And I know that our system and our people can do that. Now, of course, I'm not, am I just sending something out or doing a blast or making calls to just two to five million dollar producers? No. I then am going through and scrubbing to find the people that fit our our standards, our, the area, the location, the image, whatever it is, all right? And I wrote down, carry this list everywhere with you, both physically and digitally. Ready? Add this to this point on point number three. Have all contact info, birthdays, kids' names, spouse, hobbies, neighborhood they live in, uh, country club they belong to. Have as much information as you can on these 25 to 50 people. No less than 25, no more than 50. Remember, we can't have a target list of five. Now, don't get me wrong. You can have a target list of 500 that you have on drip campaigns and you have you know little things going out to them here and there. But I'm talking solid effort, solid work that you're going to put in. Ready? Number four, foundation. List your top 10 reasons. Write out the top 10 reasons or top 10 benefits of why someone would work with you. All right? How can I... And you look at the you once you when you're thinking about your top 10 reasons, which most of you already have, because we if you've been in this session, we taught you how to put this together. I want you to think about your top 10 reasons, okay? How can they make more money with this? All right. So let me give you a for instance. A lot of companies right now, and I I expect it and understand it and appreciate it, are saying, well, um, our technology is a reason why you would join our company. All right. I don't want to hear that as a real estate agent. Okay. So for those of you that are doing that, knock that off. I don't want to hear that I should join your company because of your technology. I want to hear that I should join your tech, your company because if I learn A, B, and C as part of your technology, I can take 10 more listings in per quarter. I can have three more buyer sales per year, right? I need specifics. I need testimonials. I need reasons. Stop giving me general generalities. Right? I need something like I'll give you. A, I'll give you a for instance. Top ten reasons why you would join our firm. Okay, I'll give you a for instance. Twelve hours a day, our inside sales team is prospecting listings and buyer opportunities for our agents. Oh, that's pretty good. Twelve hours a day, they're looking for buyers and sellers. I love that. All right. 
daily, our world-class marketing and operations team is generating marketing material for you to promote for you, to your clients. Huh, that's pretty good. I don't have that right now. Well, what do you have right now? Well, I have a marketing suite, but I don't really know how to use it. You got to get specifics with what it's going to do for them. Make your top 10 list, top 10 reasons of why someone would join you, be able to articulate them, be able to use examples. I'll never forget there's an agent, agent out there. She might be watching now. Her name's Kathy Elias. I used her name constantly. Well, you know, Kathy Elias took this, took this tool and added another 17 transactions to her business last year. Do you see how you could maybe add more business, uh, add more transactions to your closings this year if you take advantage of this tool? So don't be general with me. Give me specifics. Write out 10 reasons why I should join you. And those 10 reasons, ready? Write down below here how they're going to help me make more money. How can I can make how can I make more money? Don't just say our technology is going to help you make more money. Don't just say our sales training is going to help you make more money. Watch this. Well, Jeff, how is your how is your sales training going to help me make more money? Well, I'll just pick a name, Paul. One of the ways our sales training is going to help you make more money because on a regular basis, our agents are role-playing with each other. And did you know that when you write out scripts and role-play on a regular basis, you're more likely to get a contract signed when you meet with a buyer-seller? So could you see how being in an environment where we're role-playing on a, on a regular basis can actually improve your sales skills? I took one thing from the training, role-playing on a regular basis, and I turned it into an opportunity to share with them how it's going to benefit them. Oh, by the way, are you familiar with Frank Felt, another agent of ours, a name I use all the way, all the time? Frank was at Century 21 before he joined us. Frank shows up every day for our, our prospecting and our role play sessions. Since Frank has joined us, he went from selling 12 homes a year at Century 21 to over 30 last year here at Cole Baker. I was at Cole Baker at the time. So you have to have benefits and testimonials. Got it? All right, number five. Testimonials, people who have had success with them. Number five, I want you to master the recruiting presentation. I get ahead of myself sometimes. Sorry about that. Watch what I wrote down here. Master the recruiting presentation and be able to give examples of how people succeeded with your top 10 list. Boom. Master the recruiting presentation. It's just like a listing presentation. All right. And let me give you a lesson for those of you that are already involved in recruiting and wondering how you can get better. If your recruiting presentation has to do with you doing all the talking, you're going to lose. The recruiting presentation must involve the agent. It, just like a listing presentation has to involve the consumer, a recruiting presentation must involve the agent. They have to engage. They have to respond. We have to turn it into a question-based presentation, which we're going to cover in next week and the following week, all right? So master the recruiting presentation. Be able to give examples of individuals who have succeeded with that top 10 list. I wrote down, the more scripted you are, the better chance you have of convincing them to join you. Remember, scripts are just questions. All right, we're going to cover that in the coming weeks. Number six, recruiting must be a part of your daily routine. I think you all know that. It's really two parts, lead generation and presentation. I'm going to share with you right now, so be ready to write. I'm going to give you, I went back and dug. You know, I, while I found this, this high school love letter, I went back and dug through my notes and found my actual schedule from when I was running a Coldwell Banker office. Now, granted, once I became a, a leader for our team at JGA, did I take that, 
that schedule and just transferred over? You bet I did. Now, the only difference is, is I followed that schedule in the morning and the afternoon. I went out and sold homes. When I was just running a real estate brokerage, this was my schedule. Ready? And I want you to write this down. I believe that this is probably the single greatest difference of myself and the other agents that that or the other managers that came and shadowed. Okay, because the Schweitzer sent managers to shadow me all the time. Some of you may be watching this. This was my exact schedule. Ready? I'm in the office by 7:30. So 7:30 in office. I've never shared this schedule before, by the way. I was so happy when I found it. 7:30 to 7:45 was accountability. I had an accountability partner with some other part of the country, some other manager, some other broker, some other business owner around the country. And we looked at four things. Ready? Contacts made, meaning contacts to real estate agents. Sounds familiar for some of our agents that might be wondering about our 730 call. Contacts made, appointments set, appointments held, and offers made. Okay, offers to join our company. Contacts, appointments set, appointments held, and offers to join our company. That was a daily accountability call. If you just implement that right there, you'll be fine. Contacts made, appointments set, appointments held, offers made. So it was a daily routine that I was going to have stuff in, in one of those four categories. All right, 7.45 to 8.30, ready? So that was 7.30 to 7.45. 7.45 to 8.30, I had prepared my calls. I returned any overnight emails, acknowledging things. Um, I, I got into things. I acknowledged them, but I did not service anything. I did not start working. And if there were broker issues, anything at all, I did not get into the busy work. I acknowledged it. What does that mean? Well, that means I would respond with, um, you know, hey, got your email. I'll work on it today. Boom. Just so they know I got it, right? Never leave your agents hanging. All right. Hey, got your message. No problem. It's on my schedule to work on this afternoon. So I went in and I acknowledged everything from that morning and overnight. Okay. Say hi to the staff, get coffee or whatever. That prep took me about 45 minutes. All right. I prepared my calls. I, I, acknowledged overnight emails or morning emails, did not get involved in servicing them. I say hi to the staff, you know, got my coffee, whatever. 8.30, we had a huddle with our staff. You know, we had a we had an assistant for the office. We had a front desk person. Uh, you know, I know some offices, you have a productivity coach, you have a market center administrator, you have a broker, you have a recruiter, whatever your operations team looks like. We had a 15-minute a huddle that happened at 8.30. 8.45, I shut my door and I had a sign on the door that said, stop, do not enter, I'm degenerating. Same thing the agent should be doing, by the way, at that time. That went on from 8, I wrote down nine from 9 until 11. I was non-stop prospecting. 9 until 11, non-stop prospecting. Now, on some days we had role play sessions, so I would go to 11.30. And I would have a mindset break around 10 o'clock and I would go run a role play session with the group non-stop every single day monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday did not matter door is closed sign on the door that says stop i'm degenerating you should be too 9 to 11 that's what i did all right now by the way i, I should have mentioned during my accountability call if i had time okay because some some people only wanted to do a quick accountability call some people will role play but i would also do my role play on that call so i should make an asterisk on that i would also role play during that call as well some brokers only, some broker owner managers only wanted to do accountability. So that's fine. We just did accountability. Some were open to role playing with me. 9 to 11, non stop prospecting. That's it. Nothing else. 
Hi, this is uh, Jeff Lover, I'm, and we're going to get into the scripts for a minute. Hi, hi, hi. Nonstop prospecting, two hours, all right? I had admin open door from 11 until noon. Now, if I took a mindset break from 10 to 10.30 and I went and ran a role play or I got people fired up, i do a lap around the office. Sometimes my prospecting would go to 11.30 and my open door admin time would be 11.30 to 12. All right, but for the most part, it was 11 to noon. Again, 9 to 11. Nothing, no distractions. I wasn't handling paperwork. I wasn't getting involved in broker issues. I wasn't doing anything but looking for people to join our firm from 9 to 11. And when I say looking for people to join our firm, I wasn't scrolling the internet. I wasn't scrolling Facebook, all right? I, I did all that stuff during my prep time. That's why I take 45 minutes from 7.45 to 8.30 to prep. So 11 to 12 is admin and open door. 12 to 1.30 is lunch. I took a 90-minute lunch, and that's because I went to work out. There was a gym right down the street from our office. I never did recruiting lunches. Don't do those. Unless, unless you have the discipline to eat a, a light salad every single day. Unfortunately, I don't. Uh, if I did that every single day, I'd get fat. So instead, what I do, I work out for 90 minutes. All right. I do not do recruiting lunches. Now, coffees in the afternoon, whatever, that's different, but not recruiting lunches. From 1.30 to 2, I'd be back in the office and I would prep for a class almost every single day. I'd have some type of class that I was teaching. I would teach a class from 2 to 2.45, some type of skills-based role play, whatever. 2.45 to 3, I would prepare for my appointments, my goal every day. Every day, I had a goal to set two appointments and hold one. So on that call, I, I guess you should go back to my accountability call. On that accountability call, I would look at contacts made. My goal, by the way, was to talk to 20 people in those two hours. 20 contacts in two hours. Now, if you're saying, well, Jeff, what about your hit list? Well, guess what? When I'm doing my morning routine, I'm going through the whole list of 500 or whatever it is. My hit list is getting separate attention, which we're going to cover in the next two sessions. But my goal is to talk to 20 people a day. If I talked to 20 people a day, I knew that I could set two appointments and I knew that if I set two appointments, one would show up. All right, so 2.45 to 3, I would prepare for those appointments. Well, wait a minute, Jeff. You'd set two appointments. Watch my schedule here. My appointments would be, I would set a 3 p.m. and I would set a 3.30. My appointments, by the way, were an hour long. Well, Jeff, why did you set a 3 p.m. and a 3.30 if they're an hour long? Because I had a 50% no-show rate. 50% of the appointments I would set would not show up. For those of you who have been doing this for a while, you know how that goes. Oh, I had a closing that got moved. Oh, I had an appointment that ran late. Sorry, I'm not going to make it. So I would basically double book myself. Now, I would gap it by a half hour so they're not crossing paths. They're not sitting in the lobby together. You know, I'm not going to schedule both of them for 3 p.m. I'd schedule one for 3. I'd schedule one for 3.30 and hope that one showed up. Because guess what most people do? If you set two, I'm going to set one at two o'clock, leave myself a little bit of time in between. I'm going to set the other one for four. No, no, no. That's called average people do that. Average people like to take up as much time as they can and accomplish as little amount of time as they can in the most amount of time. I'm the opposite. I want to accomplish as much as I can in a little bit amount of time. So I'd set one for three. I'd set one for 3.30. Every now and then, two people would show up and that's okay. It's shows that I'm in demand. Somebody's waiting in the lobby for 15 minutes. Now, of course, they would notify me that, that um, you know, um, they, would, they would notify me that somebody's there and I'd have to kind of speed up my appointment a little bit, but I am constantly looking for two a day. I'm setting two a day, three o'clock and 3.30. All right. I wrote down, if both canceled on me, 
If no appointments, I would do lead follow-up. I would set up drip campaigns. I would send them text check-ins. I would work on my hit list, all right? Now, just be clear. You have a hit list of 25 to 50 that you want at your company. You, 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 you go everywhere with it and you bring it everywhere with it, but you still have a market of 500 or you have a market of 1,000. When I'm doing these calls in the morning, I'm calling the whole market. All right, I have my hit list and I'm treating the hit list differently, which you're going to hear in the next couple of sessions how I treat those differently. So from 3 to 4.30, I'm on appointments. I got a 3 and a 3.30. They last an hour. One shows up, one does not. If they both show up, then the first one's waiting a little bit or the second one's waiting a little bit in the lobby. From 4.30 to 5.30, uh, I'm rounding up the day, holding any meetings with the staff that need to be done, any meetings with agents. Now you're probably saying, well, you know, I taught a class. Where's your one-on-ones with the agents? All right, we'll talk about that a little bit later in this series. And then finally, 5.30 to 6, I would set my schedule for the next day, tie up loose ends. Now, for me, I would probably usually end up working till 7, but I would set my schedule for the next day. That would be the last thing I do. All right. So that was my schedule when I was running a brokerage. What is different when I got into production? The difference is my morning, I would start off prospecting for leads, and then I would shift to prospecting for agents. And then the afternoon, I would do my recruiting appointments like normal in the afternoon. And then instead of shutting down 5, 6, 7 o'clock, I would go on listing appointments at 5, 6, 7 p.m. All right? That's number six. Recruiting must be part of your daily schedule. It has two parts, lead generation and presentation, which we're going to get into in future sessions. Number seven, I wrote down... This is, the, this is the foundation to growing a big brokerage, growing a big team. Number seven, create the strongest, uh, strongest onboarding system in town. I wrote down, make their move as easy and as seamless as possible. What is their first day, their first week, their first month? What does that look like? Are they getting a welcome bag? Are they getting a water bottle with treats in it? What is that? Are they balloons? Are you treating their first day like it's somebody's birthday? It really should feel like their birthday in your office. Think about your onboarding system. What does their first day look like? What does their first week look like? A lot of what we're sharing in Relief is preparing you for this, right? It's preparing you for, for, for building this big business, all right? Stick with these future sessions. We're going to talk a lot more about this. Number eight I wrote down, become the expert on what agents actually want. And remember, it's not always what you think they want. Number eight, building a big brokerage, build big team. Become an expert at what agents actually want. Remember, it's not what you think they want. Okay, so I wrote down, consider putting together an agent leadership team. Survey your agents. Find out from your agents what it is that they want, what they'd like to see differently. You don't have all the answers. I wrote down, be mindful of things like agent brands versus your brand. Does their brand fit with your brand? Be mindful of things like their costs, obviously, how leads are distributed, how you handle the distribution. These are the things that agents care about and that want to know. So become the expert in your town and what agents actually want. And remember, it's not always what you think they want. Thank you for taking your time to join Jeff today on the Live Unreal with Glover U podcast. To get started on having an unreal business, take the real estate self-assessment. After you complete the assessment, a member of Glover U will get on a call with you to create an action plan to improve your score. Go to www.gloveru.com self. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. 
Search for Live Unreal with Clever You on iTunes, Podbean, or Spotify and subscribe today. Until next time.